This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Wednesday, June 2nd. Stocks in the U.S. and Europe are essentially unchanged. Very, very quiet and sleepy morning so far. So S&P futures are off two points. That's about five basis points. Dow futures are up about 16 points. That's about five basis points. NASDAQ futures are down 22 points. That's about 15 basis points. So essentially unchanged on the futures across the board. The major European indices are trading up about 10 to 20 basis points. None of the major subgroups are trading up or down more than a percent. So you're seeing outperformance in Europe in autos, staples, uh, and banks. Uh, along with real estate, you're seeing underperformance in Europe in retail, media. Um, and that is essentially it. So like I said, very, very slow morning. Um, Asia saw a bit more volatility. There was um, a lot of mixed price action. So you saw weakness in Hong Kong and mainland China. You saw outperformance in Japan. Um so again, just kind of all the major narratives are largely the same as before on the monetary policy front. Very minimal news out overnight. Um, you, know, you are coming up on two big meetings with the ECB next week on the 10th, followed by the Fed the following week on the 16th. Um, you know, I think the Fed obviously is going to be very much in focus for both technical and more fundamental reasons. So on the technical front, the decline, the persistent decline in the effective Fed funds rate is getting a lot more attention that will probably require the Fed to take some type of technical action on its repo and interest on overnight reserve rates just to kind of bolster that effective Fed funds rate. Uh, more important to markets will be obviously the language that Powell uses to describe the outlook around tapering. Um, you know, I suspect you'll see him kind of echo both sides of the debate. So I think he'll say that the U.S. economy remains um, you know, still far from achieving the Fed's goals on inflation and employment. But I also do think he's going to kind of echo what Clarita Quarles and others have said that, um, you know, if data continues to come in along at the present pace, that it is likely the tapering conversation will continue, um, will we'll, we'll get underway over coming meetings. Um, you know, again, I think that that could create some very short-term disruption for markets, but so long as tapering doesn't arrive before November, which is very unlikely, um, I think stocks will be able to absorb that messaging relatively well. Um, you know, the the rough consensus is that you will see tapering occur in November or December, um, and then gradually continue next year with the Fed's balance sheet probably continuing to expand. Um, you know, at least into the middle of of 2022. Um, also, on the 16th, you are going to get an updated um, dot plot, and you could see the dot. Um, you know, you could see those dots inch higher a little bit. So there, there may be some headline risk around the 16th. I don't really think you're going to see kind of a fundamental dramatic shift in the Fed's outlook. On the fiscal policy front, Biden will be holding a meeting today um, with uh, the lead Republican negotiator. Um, so this will kind of be, it's, it's being billed as a quote unquote, make or break meeting um, in on the bipartisan front. You know, I continue to think that you're not going to see the bipartisan talks, um, you know, collapse completely, but you will see the emphasis pivot back to a more partisan track um, as Democrats look to, um, you know, pursue the reconciliation option again. You know, again, the problem remains that Democrats don't have the votes yet 
um, for aggressive legislation, especially on the tax front. You continue to have at least two moderates in the Senate um, that are that are that are going to um, you know water down any any uh, really ambitious legislation. Um, and actually, Biden expressed some frustration um, with those moderates, including Manchin, in, in comments he made yesterday. Um, you know, so I think that again, you're going to see headline risk increase around tax hikes as that process pivots back to a more partisan track. Um, but I still think the odds of major tax increases at the end of the day are relatively low. In addition to all that, um, you know, on the global minimum tax front, you are going to see signs of further progress in the days ahead. So the G7 finance ministers meet this Friday and Saturday. It's very likely they will, um, you know, come to an agreement to proceed with the Biden global minimum tax plan. Um, you know, this is this is kind of an unbinding commitment. It's still very vague on the details. Um, you know, you're still looking at again getting the full G20 and then the full OECD on board, um, and then having that pass U.S. Congress. So the obstacles remain substantial, and I and I doubt that you're going to see this come to fruition. Um, but again, you're going to see the the appearance of progress. Um, you know, cross the wires in the coming days. Nothing all that exciting on the economic data front today. Australia GDP a bit better than expected. Um, you have some inflation figures out of South Korea and Europe. Both are relatively in line with expectations, although both saw sharp um, sequential increases in the year-in-year rate of inflation. Um, you know, you've had a lot of inflation figures in the last several days with the European CPI yesterday and then the US PCE on Friday. I think the um, you know, I think the takeaway has been inflation is certainly no worse than feared, um, although it's still very, very elevated, obviously. Um, I know you could be looking at the peak year and year increases in inflation as a, these are going to be the worst months of the base effects um, as far as the denominator from 2020 is concerned. Um, but you are going to see inflation stay at very elevated levels going forward. Um, you know, the labor supply shortage is certainly an issue that gets a lot of attention. The U.S. Commerce Department published a report yesterday just emphasizing how acute the challenges are. The ISM manufacturing report that was out Tuesday morning in the U.S. also emphasized the enormous strains facing companies um, with regard to not just labor supply, but component availability, component, imp- in- component price increases, shipping delays, shipping prices, et cetera. So while end market demand is still very strong, um, you know, the companies are certainly facing a lot of problems um, profitably meeting that that demand. Um, and obviously, I think that's going to become a much bigger theme as we go into the Q2 earnings season, which kicks off in about um, um, a month and a half. Um, and those are all kind of the major macro trends. Um, you know, on COVID, again, it's very much the same where news flow in the U.S. remains very bullish. Um, you know, I think the Abbott profit warning um, yesterday morning was was probably the biggest headline of, of the day. Um, obviously, cutting cutting guidance because of a sharp decline in uh, the demand for COVID testing, um, and you continue to see various different types of reopening, normalization types of headlines. Um, so again, I think in the U.S., the the investor mindset is very much in a post pandemic state, um, which is why you're not seeing these types of developments really impact the broader market, but still um, very bullish developments on the COVID front. Um, on earnings, you had you had Zoom last night. DM is probably the big highlight. You know, beat and raise quarter. You've certainly seen the magnitude of revenue upside lessen. Um, obviously, revenue momentum is the biggest driver of that stock. Um, HPE was another one out last night for earnings. Um, otherwise, again, relatively slow. The JBS, um, which is the world's biggest meat processing company, hit with a cyber attack. So this is the second major cyber attack in, in a couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, clearly this is becoming a larger issue for the economy that needs to be addressed. But also these are now, um, you know, while, while the economy is facing a lot of supply chain disruptions just as a function of reopening and massive demand, they're also these kind of one-off events, including um, cyber cyber ransom ransom attacks that are taking a lot of capacity offline, um, and then weather-related disruptions, et cetera. So JBS did say that they plan on having the vast majority of its plants operational today. So they're um, you know making significant progress in resolving that attack. But this is just one other issue that's kind of uh, throwing a wrench into the into already strained supply chains. Um, just quickly on the calendar for today, Wednesday. So you have that Biden infrastructure meeting that's expected to take place this afternoon. Fed beige book at two o'clock, U.S. auto sales for May throughout the day. And then on earnings, you have AAP this morning. Um, and then a couple of relatively minor names after the bell, including NTAP, PVH, um, and Splunk. And that is essentially everything for today. Uh, thank you for listening.